It's the morning matches. Yes, it is. It's been visits to the rival capitals, of course, by the two leaders, the Chinese Premier and the Japanese Prime Minister. But most of the eyes were on the Russian and Chinese visit in Moscow, where 12 points have been put forward on the political settlement of the Ukraine crisis. But meanwhile, they've also signed agreements on strategic cooperation covering trade and energy on what Mr. Putin describes as illegitimate restrictions placed on Russia by other countries. Now, uh, as the Western firms have um, uh, deserted the country following those sanctions, more than thousand of them uh, ending their operations in Russia, it's left a vacuum. And who could fill that vacuum? The good friend China. And in return, Russian president said the, that the country could meet China's growing demand for energy and the pair had discussed the proposed power of Siberia 2 pipeline, which would ship Russian gas to China as well. And with that, we've also uh, got uh, some warnings and some concerns raised by the famous uh, Stoltenberg, the NATO chief, who said that we haven't seen any proof that China is delivering those lethal weapons to Russia, but we have seen some signs that this has been a request from Russia, and this is an issue that is considered in Beijing by the Chinese authorities. The meeting in Moscow is part of the planned path of reproachment and strengthening ties between the two countries as they're getting closer economically, militarily, and uh, otherwise, as he noted. But a very interesting time because 12 points have been raised when it comes to political settlement with the Ukraine crisis, or for the crisis. But to what extent are they going to be successful? That's the big question mark at the moment. And there was a lot of uh, skepticism that was raised yesterday from um, the Chinese leader's visit um, there has been wide skepticism of of his position, actually, or of China's position on resolving the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, which is centered on concerns that nothing offered by Beijing so far reflects Ukraine's demand that all Russian troops basically be withdrawn from its territory. And U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken actually on Monday hit out at Xi, uh, Xi Jinping's uh, visit, remarking that it came just days after the International Criminal Court in The Hague issued an arrest warrant for Putin. And Washington's top diplomat said in a, in a statement, China feels no responsibility to hold the Kremlin accountable for the atrocities committed in Ukraine. And instead of even condemning them, they would rather provide diplomatic cover for Russia to continue to commit those very crimes. Now, um, any calls for a ceasefire that does not include the removal of Russian forces from Ukrainian territory would effectively be supporting the ratification of Russian conquest, as they're calling it, as it would allow President Putin to rest and refit his troops and then restart the war at a time more advantageous to Russia. And that's what uh, Blinken said. And Ukrainian Secretary of the National Sec uh, Security and Defense Council of Ukraine uh, also uh, that day said on Twitter that the successful implementation of a Chinese peace plan must start with the capitalization uh, or of the withdrawal, actually, of Russian forces from Ukrainian territory. Otherwise, they're not really there to, uh, to help with the conflict between Ukraine and 
Russia. Now, another surprise, surprise visit happened from Prime Minister of Japan, Fumio Kishida, I believe. Yes, it is. Made a surprise visit on Tuesday to Kiev, to the opposing country. That's very true. And I think uh, this is where it was also made very clear, that point that we've raised earlier here, is that they, there is no uh, solution to the conflict without the withdrawal of those troops from the Ukrainian territory, which, according to the, the Russian perspective, is a, an operation, uh, as a cleansing operation to, to de-Nazify uh, that part of the, uh, the country. And, uh, and they, that was the main idea of the, of the operation. Now, Zelensky said after that meeting with the Japanese prime minister that he will join the G7 summit in May. And he also told the press conference that they've asked China to get involved in talks but was waiting for an answer. We've offered China to become a partner in the implementation of the peace. We invite you to dialogue. We are waiting for your answer. Now, what are those 12 points that have been raised by China? According to uh, the statement, the detailed statement that's available on the website of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the People's Republic of China. Firstly, respecting the sovereignty of all countries. That's a pretty strong part there. Abandoning the Cold War mentality. Seizing hostilities. Resuming peace talks. Resolving the humanitarian crisis. Protecting civilians and prisoners of war. Uh, keeping nuclear power plants safe. Reducing strategic risks. Facilitating grain exports. Um, stopping unilateral sanctions keeping industrial and supply chains stable and promoting post-conflict reconstruction. Now, those are the 12 points given. To what extent are any of those points going to be actioned upon? Time will tell. And we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on the developments surrounding the, the conflict. And, of course, it is a very, very symbolic move. Uh, by both the uh, the leaders, the Japanese Prime Minister and the Chinese Premier, to be in the area. Well, stay with us here on the programme. We've got lots of musical entertainments. We've got the business headlines lined up for you. And then we continue the conversation right after that. So stay with us. You're listening to The Morning Majlis only on Pulse95. Pulse95. Stocks, docks and barrels. This morning's Big Business Recap. Well, the Federal Reserve has no easy task ahead of them for sure, especially following the banking sector meltdown that happened this month. And certainly it exposed a crack in the financial industry. And now investors are just wondering exactly just how deep that crack goes and if could actually spread into other parts of the economy. There are a lot of questions that are that have been raised, especially to the Federal Reserve. And this week, we'll hear from Fed officials for the first time since the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and the sale of Credit Suisse and also the lifeline extended to First Republic. The big question is what they will do next. Of course, a policy rate announcement is expected, actually, I believe today, along with new economic projections and also the Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell will face the press to answer a lot of other questions like, for example, is the Federal Reserve's fight against inflation destabilizing the the banking uh, system? Is the economy beginning to really crack? Um, d- does the 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 data f- the the data justify a pause in rate hikes, for example? And will the money run out? How is it going to affect? the global uh, projections of the economy. 
Yeah, uh, the global projections. And is the U.S. economy even stable? Because we all know this popular phrase, when America sneezes, the world catches the flu. And uh, looking at the moment uh, with those the banking crisis, both in Switzerland and in the United States, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, she says she's focused on stabilizing the U.S. banking system. She spoke at the American Bankers Association and she said the overall situation is stabilizing and the system remains sound. Yellen says government intervention has been necessary to protect the broader banking system and more rescue efforts could be necessary. She added that the 2008 financial meltdown was a solvency crisis, but what we're seeing now is a contagious bank runs. And earlier this month, Silicon Valley and Signature Bank had failed. And that's, of course, been a key area of focus. Switzerland's government has also ordered Credit Suisse to temporarily suspend bonuses for employees after orchestrating a plan for the number two Swiss bank to be taken over by their rival UBS. Now, all eyes on the interest rates. What's going to happen? Uh, uh, they, there are concerns and there are projections that there will be a quarter of a percentage rise by 25 basis points. Of course, that means uh, it's going to reach around 4.75%. And that also means that our mortgages, our car finances in this part of the globe will also uh, increase. The, uh, the, the reason is because we're pegged to the US dollar. So whenever there is a monetary policy shift there, it's going to impact us because we will follow suit. But now, is it a good thing? Because there's been a lot of focus saying that the interest rates rise has caused the failure of those other banks. And uh, apart from the fact, of course, Credit Suisse had its own issues and it had more larger issues uh, compared to what uh, SVB did. Um, but yes, this is going to be the toughest decision that the Fed has had to make in a while, according to Chief Economist at Oxford Econom Econom Economics, who is expecting a 0.25 percentage point. They added that Powell will have to play, referring to Jerome Powell, uh, will have to play the two-handed economist perfectly, convincing investors that the central bank can still raise interest rates to fight inflation, and on the other hand, while using other tools to combat the stress in the financial system. Because when you do cause such a stress, it adds to the overall stress because it is very uncertain times, of course. But how have the markets been reacting? Stock futures were uh, flats yesterday. Uh, there were little change on Tuesday evening. However, Asian Pacific markets, as we record this at 7.40 in the morning, Asia Pacific markets rose on Wednesday as investors are looking ahead to the US uh, reports and the updates. Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index led gains in the region up by 2.32%. Japan's Nikkei 225 is also close to a 2% gain, climbing 1.95%. And Topix also saw a 1.94% rise. In Australia, uh, the, uh, the S&P and ASX 200 rose 0.97% and in South Korea, the Kospi was 1.1% higher and the Kostak advanced 0.82%. That is uh, the quick wrap of the markets and the reactions. But one thing for sure that we're going to keep our eyes on as well is the updates from both Afghanistan and Pakistan as the early morning sun rays shine on the lands over there and we'll get updates overnight because the earthquake happened overnight. The rescue efforts will be delayed until this morning, of course, and we'll definitely get a 
get an idea of what's happening over there. So stay with us here on the program. That earthquake developments are up next here on the program.